Welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why and how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me today and lending me those ears. If you're watching me on YouTube, I appreciate your eyeballs as well. Today on the Sales Influence Podcast, please help me welcome Daniel Disney. Daniel, how you doing today, man? Oh, Victor, I am superb. I love the finding the why and why people buy. What an introduction. I'm excited to be here today. Dude, I'm so excited to have you here. I found you, Daniel, because somebody posted like some of the, the most kick-ass speakers in the UK. And you were on that list. I go, Daniel, and, and your last name, Disney, just stands out, right? So I go, who is this guy? So so let the folks in the Sales Influence Podcast know who Daniel Disney is. Yeah, so I am a super passionate salesperson specializing in social selling and LinkedIn. Uh, I'm the author of the book, The Million Pound LinkedIn Message, and I'm also the founder and owner of The Daily Sales, which is LinkedIn's most popular page for salespeople. My passion is sales. I just want to help salespeople sell better, just like you, sir. Now, you, you, I didn't know, I did not know, this is full disclosure here, being honest, I didn't know that you were the founder of the Daily Sales. So when I clicked <laughs> on your link, I was like, I was like, oh, I love this thing. Because I, I would always see these little, you know, uh, if you don't know what the Daily Sales is, where do they find, by the way, uh, website, where do they go if they want to see some of your um, graphics? I mean, LinkedIn's where the biggest audience is, uh, so search Daily Sales on LinkedIn, but we're on Facebook, Instagram, we have a website, we're everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, some some of the photo memes, if I can call them that, are just fantastic. I was like, so I didn't know that. Congratulations on that, by the way. That's awesome. Thank you very what much. Six hundred and thirty-five thousand followers on LinkedIn and growing. Man, you're awesome, man. So I hear people talk about virtual selling, and when I heard some of your stuff, it was like very practical and tactical. It wasn't up here, if you know what I mean. So. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I was I was rewatching one of your videos about seven LinkedIn tips. Walk me through, man. Let's say I'm I'm an entrepreneur. In fact, no, I'm a sales guy. I'm, I'm gonna give you context here. I'm a baby boomer. Okay, I'm new to you know baby boomer technology. I'm a little afraid of it, not too afraid. I mean, how do I leverage LinkedIn, man? Walk me through your process. How would you train a baby boomer or anybody else who's struggling with it? Yeah, so I mean, I come from a traditional background, so I know I'm sort of. I'm a millennial technically. I think I fit in the millennial bracket, uh, but I wasn't brought up with social media. I mean, I, I started sales when I was 16 years old. There was no social media at that time. You know, I cut my teeth in sales, making cold calls, knocking on doors, walking up and down streets. So for me, it was really a strange transition going from that into using things like social media. So a lot of the things I do when I teach um, salespeople of different generations is A, relate to them that I was there. You know, I came from a place of not really wanting to do it. Um, but then starting to open their eyes to the potential to sort of understand that their prospects and customers are using it, how they're using it, and how, as a salesperson, you can use it in pretty much every stage of the sales process. Um, the sort of two key things I tend to focus on first is personal brand. So just getting them to get comfortable sharing content on LinkedIn, starting to share their stories, their experiences, uh, sort of take that switch mindset away from okay, I need to sell something. So actually, all right, I'm just going to build rapport. I'm going to build relationships. I'm going to grow my network. Sort of build that personal brand and then change the way they use messaging. Again, switching from having that pitch approach of oh, I'm just going to try and pitch a product instead of actually I'm going to start a conversation. I'm going to try and deliver some value. I'm going to do some homework. I'm going to make it personal to them, make it relevant. Those two key areas, if you can kind of support people through that, the rest becomes a lot easier. You know, my immediate trigger, and I know this happens to other people, when I hear the word brand, as a sales guy, I'm not a brand. I'm just not a brand. 
you know, what do you say to that mindset? What, can, can you reframe that mindset for people or help them get through that? Yeah. So you may not be a brand, but you are a person and people buy from people. So if you want to take the word brand out from it, then it's just about being a person on social media. Not many people act like people on social media. Most, especially on LinkedIn, <laughs> most of the time, they're just resharing corporate stuff. They're not being a human being. They're not sharing their stuff. So it's about being a human being because in sales, people buy from people. So show them that you are a human being, not just some other salesperson trying to sell them something. And, and I often, when I talk to, you know, uh, I'll just say baby boomers, let's pick on them. What the hell? And they, they think they have to create some of the greatest content. But, you know, some of the tips you give on being good at social media, uh, I like what uh, the obvious tip is, you know, comment and share people's comments, you know, comment on people's shares or comments. And I think that's something simple. Walk me through some of the little things they can do, kind of dip their toe in the water if they just want to get used to this. Definitely, because creating your own content is a big step to take. If you haven't written a post or written an article or recorded a video, that's a big step. So to start, absolutely reshare other content that you find interesting, but that's also valuable to your prospects and customers. It needs to be giving something to them. It's not just about you. You're trying to give value to them. So share other people's content, but add your thoughts to it. That's the sort of soft step into it. So instead of creating your own content, you're just telling people why you enjoyed that bit of content so like here's a great blog uh that, that you know victor shared really loved his key points point number three and five really stood out to me you know i'm then sharing my thoughts and opinions i'm giving value to my prospects and customers and it's getting me comfortable and confident in slowly getting better at creating content then to take a step further from that if you then are ready to create something of your own maybe do something like a book review just review a book you've read recently, again, that could be relevant to your prospects and customers that you've enjoyed. Um, and it's something that, again, you're not sharing your own personal stories, but you're definitely expanding on your personal opinions, talking about something else. And then the third step is to then start sharing your experiences and, and things like that. But baby steps. Yeah, I think something within your bailiwick, right? I think, you know, I have to remind people all the time, you don't have to create something out of the box, just something within what you do, your sphere of knowledge. You mentioned something in, in that in that uh, event you did back in uh, February. You talked about the, I think it was the five by five rule or something about connections on LinkedIn. Talk, walk me through that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, no. So there's lots of key sort of steps. And so your network on LinkedIn is is different to how a lot of people perceive it. I think a lot of people, when you get a connection request, you know, come through and, and you analyze that person. Should I connect with them? Should I not? And the reality mm -hmm. of your network is when you connect with someone individually, you're not connected to someone individually. You're connected to their entire network. Mm -hmm. And it's opening people's minds to the fact that LinkedIn is, is vast. And they used to tell you this years and years ago. I mean, when I started using it eight, nine, ten years ago, you'd log into your profile and it would say, Dan, you have... 500 connections. Your total reach is 156,298. And it would work out your connections of your connections and how far you could reach. So it's sort of having that mindset, of, okay, I'm going to grow my network. I'm going to start engaging in the industry. I'm going to start sharing content. I'm going to build a personal brand. And I'm going to start conversations. Because one of the biggest myths, I guess, you get in social selling is that it's marketing, not sales. And a lot mm -hmm. of these activities are marketing activities. You put content out, that's a marketing activity done right, you'll generate inbound leads. But if you're a salesperson, your job isn't to sit there putting content out, waiting for leads to come to you. Most of the time, your job is to go out and create those leads, create those conversations. So it's using it to find opportunities to start 
proactively start conversations. So if I see someone um, clicking like on one of my posts and I look at that person's profile and they fit my sort of ICP, my customer profile, then I'm going to send that person a message. They're not coming to me. I'm going out and creating that opportunity, starting that conversation. That's where the selling really comes into it. I think what's also interesting is that people notice when you comment repeatedly on their stuff. I know when people would comment on my stuff repeatedly, you start to see the same name over and over again. So one of the things you mentioned that I love, because I'm all about, you know, sometimes give people the steps because mm -hmm. they just don't know how to do it. Right. And so one of the things I liked about what you said was so simple, but so obvious is that take five minutes a day to reach out to, I guess, 20 contacts or connect with at least 20 people a day within your bracket. Talk to me about that. Something simple. Yeah, so look, everyone's busy. And when you're doing something new, it can be really hard to, to, to make it a habit. So what I've tried to do is make it as sort of simple as possible. So there's three activities, five minutes a day, and a basic level will help you deliver results through LinkedIn and, and social selling. So yeah, you're right. It's five minutes a day growing your network. Just five minutes, add some people. So every day you add people. You've got a 30,000 connection limit on LinkedIn. I got there after about six years, but I was adding people every single day, adding prospects, adding target decision makers, adding other people, influencers in that company, so on and so forth. So every day your network is growing. And Second, you know who you're connecting with. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, yes. but you know who you're connecting with. Absolutely. You know, and it's a conscious effort. You don't, it's, it's finding that balance. You don't want to be too close minded that you're only connecting with people you think are going to be. Uh, buying from you or influential. You do want to grow your network beyond that. So if I'm selling to a, a company and I'm selling to the sales director, I'll connect with the sales director. I'll connect with as many people in the sales team as I can. Then I'll start to expand it into the marketing team, to the other senior leaders, because they all will be sharing information that is going to be mm. beneficial to me throughout that sales process. And it's going to grow my relationship with that business. You know, my game is the long game. I'm not looking for short-term wins. I'm looking for long-term relationships. So it's growing it, but not adding anyone and everyone. You do have a limit. I know 30,000 is a lot and it can seem like a lot, but once you get there, <laughs> you then mm -hmm. can't add more. So it's finding that right balance, filling it with the right people, but kind of being more open-minded. Then it's- I, I, I like Hold that thought. Don't lose it. But I want to ask this question because you, you, you went into something I, I never really thought about, but it makes sense is that when you go into a company and you connect with that, let's say the VP of sales, for example, picking somebody, right? And then you go deeper into that company, so to speak, and then you kind of go wide. Like you go to marketing, you go to the IT department, whatever it may be, and you go wide a little bit. Can you expand on that a little bit? How's that? I know it's because there's multiple decision makers in there, but how do you use it? How do you leverage that? Yeah, so there's, there's two reasons. One, multiple decision makers. I mean, I think the average now is between seven and eight decision makers in, in most B2B decisions. So A, it means you're covering as many of those people. So when they're discussing their options, more of them are aware of you. And if you're building a personal brand, hopefully more of them are leaning towards you and, and you know, it goes in your favor. But the other side is buyer insights. If I'm connected to people in the IT department, they're going to be sharing content about the business, uh, updates, awards they've won, funding, you know, all the things that are happening, different people in different departments will share different versions, different news, different things that are happening. That information has the opportunity to help me with with my sort of sales cycle. I can use it to speed things along. I can use it to do follow ups. I can use it to reignite cold opportunities. Um, it's just expanded insight. And all you're doing is just connecting to other people in that business and looking at your feed, watching what they're sharing, watching what they're engaging on. It's amazing what you can learn. All this information is there. It's just about looking mm -hmm. for it.
Yeah, I like the fact that if, let's say the marketing department mentions something, you know, new acquisition, new product development. If you're talking to the CIO on this side, you can say, hey, by the way, I guess there's a reason to send an email. You know what I mean? And, yeah. I, and I love I love that. The I, I want to ask about the daily sales. I want to go back to the daily sales for just yeah. a second, only because I think it's one of the coolest things you put out there because it's so like these simple. By the way, if you don't have anything to share, just go to the daily sales, grab one of his meme photos and share that. <coughs> How did you come up with the idea, the daily sales, you know, these pictures with these cool lines? Do you know what? So I mean, I've worked in sales, Victor, for my entire sort of working life. And it was, I think it's about five years old, five years ago now in September, five years, September. Mm. Um, I started to see memes a lot on Facebook. Um, and mm. I, I mean, I love memes. They're hilarious. But I noticed there weren't really any memes relevant to sales. Mm. So I sat at home, downloaded a free meme making app on my phone and just started playing around, <laughs> creating some memes for situations that, you know, were funny or I thought were funny for, for salespeople. Anyway, I started sharing them and they started to get some pretty good traction on LinkedIn. And this was, you know, five years ago, you know, memes were pretty, I don't think I ever saw a meme on LinkedIn before I started sharing them in my circle. Um, they started getting traction and, you know, the moment I started to see the popularity, I thought, you know what? Why don't I try and create a brand, a page, one single mm. place where I can share memes, I can share motivating quotes, I can share articles from sales thought leaders, just a place that, you know, I'm a salesperson, I can follow, and every day there's going to be specific focused content for me that's going to help me sell, whether it's going to make me laugh and make me smile through the tough, tough times that salespeople have, whether it's a motivating quote that's going to inspire me to keep calling, to keep messaging, to keep following up. And yeah, I created the page. I created the logo on my phone on a free app, set up uh, the mm -hmm. social media page, <laughs> just start sharing content. You know, what I, what I find funny is that, you know, I'm looking, if you don't know what we're talking about, just get, what's your favorite meme? Like, give me the, uh, see if you could draw a mental picture for the folks listening to this. Give them a favorite meme that you have. I, honestly, I, I love too many. I'll tell you my first meme, Victor. The first okay. one I ever created, the one that kickstarted all of this off. It was the scene from Dumb and Dumber. And there's a, a bit at the end, Lloyd has this infatuation with Mary throughout the whole film. And he gets to the end and she sort of finds out that he, you know, obviously dreams about being with her. And she turns to him and says, even if you were the last man on the planet, I still, you know, there, there wouldn't be a chance with us. And he sort of pauses looking disappointed. Then he smiles and he goes, so you're telling me there's a chance. And the, the quote <laughs> caption I put on that from Sales is, you know, when you're chasing after a prospect and they ask for a callback in 12 months. And there's so many salespeople that will think of that as an opportunity, whereas we all know they're brushing you off because they're not interested. Is that right. you're telling me there's a chance? That was I, I love that line. I love that line. My, my son actually did a, an original song and he sampled that piece. That's what's hysterical about it. He actually sampled that piece in the song. So really the song that we use, that. Yeah, the song that we use for the intro is called Dream Killer. And there's that sample of that in there. Like, so you mean there's a chance. You know, so <laughs> so one, of the, one, of, one of the things I loved about him, I said, first of all, you did it in some of them in, in, in an ugly font, right? That's mm -hmm. what that's, it's, a, it's an ugly font. And I go, but that's what makes it clever because you had a great graphic, great statement with an ugly font and it just stood out. How mm -hmm. did that help you? You know, like, you know, what, when you started doing that, what happened? I mean, give me, give me some, you know, behind the scenes, what happened? Yeah, so people started following. As soon as I set this sort of central location, built the brand, the daily sales, and started sharing the, the memes on it on a, a daily basis, mm -hmm. people started to follow it because 
it was just giving them value. It wasn't selling anything, promoting anything, advertising it. And back then, that was pretty much 99% of all the content on LinkedIn was just people trying to promote or sell something. And mm -hmm. this was a page that was pure value. So it grew very fast. It was 100,000 followers in the first year. And wow. beyond my, you know, any of my wild expectations. So yeah, it just grew really fast. And then as it continued to grow, I realized there was an opportunity to leverage it to connect companies selling to salespeople, sales enablement technologies, mm -hmm. tools, training, events, etc., to help them reach that audience, but to do it in a way where it was sharing their content. So it just became uh, a core page. And as long as I continue to give good content, which I try to do every single day, it continues to grow. And I'm helping those salespeople in all the various ways through the content. I'm connecting them with some of the best sales companies out there with the tools and technologies. And it's just created this community. And I mean, five years, Victor, and I'm still learning as I go. <laughs> I, I got to ask you, I don't want to know numbers. I don't want to know numbers, but how were you able to monetize this? Because it's like simple graphics with clever phrases and you're just blowing this up, which is like, I just like, this guy's awesome, right? And so how were you able to monetize it? That was the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. There's no playbook for this because there's no sort of guide. No, there is. <laughs> that's what, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> You, you grow an audience by means, here's, here's what you do to make money from it. The thing I realized is I, I can't and didn't want to make money from the users because this is free social media content, you know, that they don't need to pay for it. It is free in other places on the internet. But I had this opportunity to connect salespeople around the world with companies selling these amazing sales technologies. So what I offer is essentially advertising packages where these companies, the, the CRMs, the sales enablement tools, etc., can share their content to the audience. So it tends to be eBooks, blogs, webinars, etc. So it's still giving value. These are all great bits of content for the audience, but then the mm. audience goes through to their pages, signs up, attends their webinars, go into their sort of marketing cycle and they buy because these tools and technologies benefit these sales teams. So I'm trying I to find it. a win-win-win scenario and it's, it's worked so far. That, I love it, man. I'm telling you, genius is simple and genius at the same time. That's all I'm saying. Simple <laughs> and genius. I loved it. Hey, Daniel, how did you get into like sales? I mean, you, you mentioned knocking on some doors, but early on, man, how did you? I always like to know people's sales story. Like, what was it? Yeah. So, my first job, um, Victor, was a, a DIY store here in the UK, 16 years old. I got a job on the checkouts. Um, you know, first job, a couple of weeks in. There, we had a sales department where they sold kitchens and bathrooms, designed them, sold them, et cetera. The, the sales manager came up to me and said, Dan, you've got this rapport that you build with your customers that are coming through the tills. Bear in mind, I'm spending less than five minutes with these customers, but I always had fun with them. She said, oh, I'd love to give you a try on the, on the sales floor. Took me over, gave me one day sales training and let me loose. And I haven't looked back <laughs> since. Um, if it wasn't wow. for her, you know, I probably would have ended up in sales at some point. But she, you know, got me in there at an early age. And it's just been a, a sort of a, a journey since then really and i've just always worked in sales climbed the sales ladder uh left as a director of sales just about three years ago now at the point when the daily sales grew to a you know sort of a, a business where it was sort of functioning uh, at that right size and yeah i've worked for myself for the last three years what did you find difficult? And we'll talk about building the business. <clears throat> what did you find difficult? I know you found it easy. I know the stuff you probably found easy in sales. But what were some of your challenges in sales? Like stuff I go, you know, I I struggled with this. Yeah, things <clears throat> I struggled with. I guess 
one of the biggest challenges I've always had is working as a team. And I don't mean that I'm not some sort of horrible person to work with, but in mm. sales, you have to work and be so focused on your own goals. It can be hard to then sort of work as mm. part of a, of a team. And I worked in some very competitive cutthroat sales environments. So I think for a lot of my sales career, my ambition was always to be the best. It's very hard to thrive to be the best and you know get to that point with other people holding on to you as such, if that makes sense. So in my yeah. early sales career, I found it very hard to work as a team. When I started to get into sales leadership, that's when I then had to switch that mindset and start to then look, okay, it's not my success now that's the priority, it's my team's success. And then it was that transition of, okay, you know, I succeed through their successes and then supporting them to be the best they can be. But that whole journey and transition was, it was challenging. Yeah, I would think, right? Because, you know, like salespeople, we're like individual profit centers walking around, right? We just <laughs> depend on ourselves, right? And so that's tough. And then all of a sudden you get put in a position now where you have to take care of people and train them. You know, like walk me through, because there's probably some leaders listening to this right now and maybe even young companies, you know, just trying to struggle to scale their business. You know, what were some of the challenges, you know, being a manager now, managing salespeople? Like, give me the day in the life of what you were kind of going through. The first challenge I had that I will always remember will stick with me for, for forever was I started in sales leadership at quite a young age. I was in my early 20s when I started my first sort of leadership role and I was managing everyone was older than me. Uh, so it was the, the challenge of managing people that were older than you, which is never an easy thing. But then also being at an age where all of your friends are out every evening, every weekend socializing, the team are out socializing together and trying to find that balance of, okay, I am a leader. If I socialize with my team too much, they may struggle to respect me. If I'm out socializing too much, you know, I'm not going to be at my sort of a game for work. And it was some of those sacrifices were, were quite challenging from a leadership perspective. One of the things I learned very early on was to treat everyone as an individual and not sort of everyone together as a, a team. So looking at everyone's individual motivators, you know, what are their aspirations? What is motivating them? Very rarely was anyone the same. Everyone had different things that they were working towards, thriving towards. Some wanted to be leaders, some didn't. Some just wanted to make as much money as possible. So getting to know everyone as an individual and then sort of bringing them all together. As I kind of just said, my challenge was, I was a very solo focused salesperson and I've led teams with lots of solo focused salespeople. So then as a leader trying to make sure they get on because it can be a very friction centric sort of workflow, uh, workflow when you've got so many self-focused salespeople and driven salespeople. So trying to create an environment where they appreciate each other, respect each other as much as they can work well together. Yeah, I mean, I, I went through the same thing. You know, I, I was a young uh, VP of sales had older people and it was really hard, right? Because I think the, you mentioned something that resonated with me was, where's that line? Uh, you know, sometimes I, I look at, I'll just call you the younger generation. Mm -hmm. And I go, you know, they, they seem to socialize too much, right? And it's like, where's that line where you're still respected, but I can still, it's always hard to find that line. And so you got to you got to manage that. And your guy, you're the person back at the office, still getting the work done, logging in the reports, trying to build out reports for your boss, and everybody else is parting. So you like caught in this this tween state. You got the boss to report, but you can't hang out down there. 
type of thing. And it's really hard, man. It's really hard. How did you, you know, what were some of the things you did to manage some of these salespeople that you kind of recall? Like, you know what, Victor, with certain salespeople, I did this and it seemed to work. With certain salespeople, I did that and that did not work. Anything? <laughs> give me something. Give me something. Give me something. I, give me some, I'm looking for some dirt here. Come on, Dad. Give me some dirt, man. The, the best tip I can give. And I remember the first day, the first day uh, of being a sales leader. And obviously I had the sales director supporting me sort of into this role and no training, no sort of support prior to this. This was day one. Okay. On the floor, let's see what are you going to do? How are you going to react? Now, before this, I'd been told about one sales rep in particular who was trouble, just the worst person. Everybody, everybody has that one. <laughs> everyone has that one. Anyone who's led them before, just constant hassle. The first thing I did, and again, there was no logic at the time behind this. This was just my gut instinct. First thing I did when I walked on that floor was I took that person to the side and I had a one-on-one -on -one chat and I just leveled with them. I said, look, this is my first day. I want to make this, this sort of you know, shift as good as possible. I want us to both be successful. And I just spoke to them as a human being. I didn't sort of come down to them as a boss. I didn't sort of pivot myself higher than them. I just leveled with them. Look, we're both here. Um, you know, what can I do to make this good for you? How can we work well together? And honestly, it was one of the best shifts. And my director took me aside afterwards and said, never expected you to do that. But that's the first time we've seen this person perform like this before. So for me, it was that learning to listen to everyone individually and treat them as human beings. If you try and manage them, you're just going to get friction. Same with sales. If you try and sell to people, you're going to get friction. Just treat people like human beings. It makes the whole thing a lot easier. Dude, I, I love that. I love that. Two things I love what you just said. Uh, the first one is you dealt with the elephant in the room right away. Dude, let's talk real quick. Yeah. I, know you're, I know you're a badass. I'm the new guy. I get it. I get it. I can learn from you. Maybe you can learn from me. Can we try to work together? And the, per the other person probably felt a sense of respect, I would think. Like yeah. he acknowledged me. Because that's what people want, acknowledgement, right? Uh, and the thing is, when you try to manage people, I love the way you said that. When you manage people, you're going to get friction. you got to guide people. You can't manage them. And I think that's where the true managers come. Did you find it hard? There's like something called Polanyi's paradox is that you know it, but you can't explain it. And, and that's always a fascinating thought to me because I know a lot of great salespeople. And then you ask them, man, why are you good? How do you do it? And they go, I don't know, man. I'm just good. I just talk to customers. You're like, that's not really an answer. That's, that's an example of Polanyi's paradox. They know it. They just can't explain it. Did you ever find that situation or were you on the receiving end of something like that where somebody couldn't explain it, but they did it? Does that make sense? Well, for a lot of my younger years, I was in that situation. It was hard to understand how I did what I did, why I did what I did. But it's one thing I've put a lot of time and effort in over my sort of, I guess, older years, it's like more recent years, is that sort of self-discovery and it unlocks so much more when you can understand yourself, you can understand your real motivations, you can understand why you do things, the way it makes you feel, how it can impact others. That self-discovery is really valuable, but it's not something that I was natural <laughs> or I was born with. Um, mm. It's hard when you don't really know why you do what you do, you just do it. Uh, and I see that in a lot of salespeople, especially I think ego can really cloud that vision. Mm. So even if you do or try to understand yourself, in the sales game, especially when you're successful, ego can really then start to cloud that judgment because it tells you different things. <laughs> your ego will tell you different mm -hmm. things. Oh, you're successful because you're amazing. You're successful because you're better than other people. You know, all these sort of not good judgments. And I think when you can kind of clear that cloud away and realize that 
everyone's the same. We all have successes, failures, struggles, challenges, wins, losses. You know, there really isn't much that differentiates ourselves. It takes you to a humble place. And I think if you can get there, you know, mm-hmm. everything else becomes easier. I like I like the way you 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 look at ego as a cloud. What a beautiful analogy! Man. It's a beautiful visual because they're in that I'll call it a fog. Okay, I'll just same thing, right? Vapors that you can't see clearly, right? Because you're in your own you're in your own head, your own fog. And then as you get older, more mature, I think there's a, there was a study that said around 26 years old for males, there's a part of your brain that becomes more reflective, you know, and so you know that you begin to look at your self-discovery, your mode of behavior, and you move away from ego and you become more reflective and one could argue more forgiving. Because you're like, <laughs> all right, you're being a dumbass. I get it. You're young. You're being a dumbass. You know what I mean? You, you're able to pull back a little bit. And so, yeah. so I love that. And so like, what was, like, what was the, give me a big bonehead move that you did when you were young, like something that you just screwed up just so everybody knows that you have an Achilles heel, that you're human, you bleed, let them know that, you know, <laughs> give me something, oh, Daniel. I'll share with you two stories from my first sales role. And I look back at this and I cringe. I am embarrassed because I was a very... Oh, this, oh no, no, this isn't what I want to hear. This is what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been waiting for. Go ahead. Uh, here's, here's the juicy stuff and I'm sure everyone's going to laugh and probably cringe at the same time. Okay, first one was I arrived uh, late for one of my sales shifts. And this was after mm. being successful for several months, top salesperson. My ego cloud was as cloudy as it could be. And I, I stroll in late, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes late. My manager's having a go at me. I'm in uh, T-shirt and trousers because I had cycles to work. Um, had my shirt in my bag, so I had to get dressed. I was already late, but I still had to get dressed, uh, ready to sell. And instead of going uh, to the staff room, to, to the toilets or whatever to get dressed, I literally walked up into the showroom took my t-shirt off, put my shirt on, my tie, just got dressed in front of everyone. I had no blinkers. My manager shouting at me, didn't matter. I was the top of the piece of the pile at the time. And I look back at that and think, oh God, I can't believe I actually did that. That's rude, disrespectful, <laughs> unprofessional. Um, the other thing that is a more of a funny story, I um, in the early sales days, I would go out partying with friends and stuff. And one night, not much sleep, a lot of fun went into work the next morning and next to kitchens and bathrooms, we also sold beds and I decided to stupidly lie in the bed. And before I knew it, I fell asleep and had a customer wake me up about an hour and a half later <laughs> asking for help. <laughs> so yeah, two of my more embarrassing stories there, Victor. <laughs> uh, I can only imagine the customer go, I need help, but should I? <laughs> I need help, but should I wake up? I didn't sell a bed either. <laughs> that oh, would have been a nice yeah, I, the story. That would have been a nice uh, When you look at sales today, you know, you look at, we talk about, and let's get getting back to social selling, a little virtual selling. You know, what are some of the shifts you're seeing now and what's happening in the market with, you know, our approach to selling? Yeah, the biggest change I'm seeing is, is video. And, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I imagine you see it as well in, in different areas. It's impacting email, video calls, but on, on social, video content, video messages, you know, video is probably the biggest thing to impact sales kind of since social did. I mean, LinkedIn and social selling impacted the sales arena four or five years ago heavily and still in early stages in reality. But videos really still quite early. So many salespeople and sales teams haven't created video messaging or content yet. Uh, so that's the biggest transition. And for a lot of salespeople, myself included, going back a few years, doing video is scary. Like sitting in front of a camera, it's, again, it's not a natural thing. Um, thinking about all the details that impacts 
video messaging and, and video content. Again, it's a, it's a process. So I'm seeing a lot of companies and this year, especially has forced the hand of a lot of companies really starting to embrace that video transition. Um, and I think that's going to be happening for you know the next few years. That's interesting because I think it is a big shift, right? Uh, you see the move towards video, and I think a lot of people are having a hard time getting on video. The talk to me about you know your your perspective on video prospecting, you know, and how would you go about doing it, or how do you go about doing it when you do it? Yeah, I mean, video prospecting is huge. I mean, there are a lot of people saying it's the thing. You know, video prospecting is the best thing you can do in sales right now. And the reality is it's, it's, it's good, but it's not much better than any of the other ones. If you make cold calls right, you're going to win. If you send written messages on LinkedIn right, you're going to win. If you send emails right, you know, they're all working. Um, but video messages can and do work well to people that respond well to them. Um, the things that are working well for me at the moment, so I use Vidyard. Um, so what that allows you to do is record a video in front of a screen or a web page or a LinkedIn profile. And in terms of standing out from your competitors, you're sending pretty much the highest level of personalization possible in a video message because you can actually show them why you're sending this video. You can highlight key areas in their profile or on their website or in a news article that prompts you to then think that you can help them. Um, that there is just nothing close to that in the sort of sales arsenal that allows you to, to mm. do that. Um, the other thing that makes a big difference, the detail, the little tiny details. What are you wearing? What's behind you? Is there good lighting? Have you got a decent camera? Can they hear you clearly enough? These tiny little details add up to make quite a big impact. And I've seen and reviewed quite a lot of uh, sales prospecting videos that mm -hmm. don't have those things. And... I don't know. It's no different to making a bad cold call. Yeah. I, 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 well, two things. Let's go back. Let's back up a little bit just for the folks who are, again, I'm always thinking about there's people who know how to use video just like it's all hat, right? I know how to do this. So let, let me take a moment for those who are still struggling to get on video. You said you use, what is it, Vidyat? Uh, Vidyard, yeah. Uh, v I D Y R D. Dude, it's, it's that accent you have, man. Vidyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we have Vidyard. I know we have the accent. So on Vidyard, so walk me through a process. <clears throat> and again, I'm looking for a very simple process here. It's not complicated. When you're thinking about sending it, what do you? What's your thought process? All right, there's five or ten people I want to connect with. It's my first outreach. You know, do I send them an email first? Do I then do a video? I mean, walk me through what you do. Your process. I try and do as much homework as I can. So before okay. I do anything, I do my research. So I will look at what type of content they engage with. Uh, generally. So I'll go onto their profile, I'll go through their activity feed, and I will look through the content that they're engaging with a lot. Is it video? Is it text? Um, is it audio sort of podcast related? And that gives me an insight into what style of messaging could be more effective. Um, a lot of the time at the moment, it tends to be video just because video is pretty much everywhere on LinkedIn now. So I will send, I will do the connection and I will send a hyper-personalized video message to start using Vidyard. Um, I will record a message, usually highlighting something in their profile um, that I believe gives me reason to think I can help them with what I'm selling, whether it's the LinkedIn social selling training or the, the advertising on the daily sales. I will have that on the screen in the video behind. I will talk them through it, be as engaging as I can uh, and send that through. Tends to have a pretty strong response rate um, and then I'll take that conversation out of a video and turn it into usually a Zoom call or an email where you can go into more detail. Uh, once that detail's 
been given, then it will be, again, either a follow-up Zoom call, phone call, whatever it may be, to talk about any questions, objections, and then and then next steps. That's probably the most what, common cadence I have. No, I love that. I love that. And by the way, you highlight something, again, to us a second hat, right? Yeah, you go into the activities feed. It's amazing to me how many people don't know what an activity feed is. Right. I mean, it just blows my mind. So just for, if you don't know what an activity feed is, just go to the person's profile page and then it says, see all activities. And then you can see everything they've commented or clicked on, liked, shared, whatever it may be. That gives you an indication of who they are, what they like, what their interests are and what you're looking for. You correct me if I'm wrong, Teddy, but what you're looking for is a way in. Mm -hmm. Right. You identified their, this is your ICP, your ideal client profile. You're looking for a way in to like introduce a conversation. It's almost like if you're a, a guy going up to a girl at the bar, like, okay, what's the angle here? <laughs> okay, what's my approach? <laughs> what's my angle of approach, right? And so I think that's the first big step. And then I, I love your cadences as you go through there. What are you finding that people are struggling with? You know, when you're, when you're talking to different companies, you train with a lot of companies, you speak at a lot of companies, you know, what are you finding that companies are constantly coming back and saying, Daniel, my people need help with this, 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 and this. What are those things? The biggest, most consistent challenge, and it's why I, I do what I do, is they can't get their salespeople to use LinkedIn. <laughs> and I have so many VPs of sales, sales directors are saying, Dan, I keep trying, I keep trying to get them to use it. I set incentives, you know, we've tried the training and, you know, we're just struggling to get it into habit. And that was why I created, going back to what we were talking at the start, the 15 minutes, the three, five minute activities, because I know that first step from learning something new to turning it into a habit is always difficult. And salespeople are busy as it is. They've got hundreds of calls to make, emails to send, etc. So I wanted to try and break it down into simple and small minimal efforts that can start to deliver results because once salespeople start to get traction then once they've got that buy-in they'll happily invest more time and more effort into getting more it's just getting that initial buy-in so again it's that first step into making linkedin social digital virtual selling into their sort of day-to-day -day routine Okay, so we're, I'm going to be redundant here. We're going to go back because I want people to really get what you have to offer. The reason I think people don't use LinkedIn is because they simply don't have a, a mini blueprint of how to do it. So go back, walk me through again, the three by five. Just walk yeah, the yeah. three by five again. Walk it through, take your time. No, no, go for it. So the first five minutes, we kind of just covered. I'll, I'll go across it very quickly. The first five minutes is growing your network every day. So adding people every single day. And I'd recommend adding between 10, 15, 20 people a day. Don't add too many. Some salespeople get too excited. They want to hack and get there quicker. Um, you risk getting banned by LinkedIn if you add too many people too quickly. So 10, 15, 20 is a healthy amount. And that's 100 a week. That's a you know, few hundred every month. And it will soon grow. Add people every day. Just five minutes a day is enough to add a good chunk of people. Next one is engage in your industry. So as we were talking about earlier, this is liking and commenting on industry relevant posts. Um, now done right, some comments get more engagement than the post itself. You know, people do engage in comments and people will connect with you because you write good comments. Also, as you kind of said, Victor, the person who you comment on, it makes them feel good. So if you're commenting on your prospects content, it's gonna make them feel good and they're gonna look at you in a positive way. So again, and don't be creepy with this. Some salespeople don't think about this big enough, but they'll comment on every single post. That gets a bit creepy. You don't want to stalk your prospects. Stalky, stalky. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but just every few posts, you know, likes and comments, 
And what it does, you're growing your audience by adding people every day. Then you're getting your name out there. So when your prospects and customers and your industry peers are logging in every day on LinkedIn, they're seeing your name. Oh, you're commenting a few times. Then the last five minutes is create content. Write your own post. Share your own content every single day. And it doesn't need to take more than five minutes. I could take a, a selfie of myself now, Victor, holding a book, and I could share my review of that book in a post. That would not take me more right. than three to four minutes to write and share. Boom, that's a piece of content out that's going to be valuable to my prospects, my customers, my audience. Um, and that means people are logging in and they're seeing my name in all these comments. They're seeing a post that I've shared. If I'm doing that every single day, I'm building a very big personal brand uh, in a pretty short space of time. And that's 15 minutes. I don't that's think awesome. anyone could argue that they don't have 15 minutes that they could find or spare. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I've, al I've always tied those two together. The reason people hesitate to do something is because they simply don't know where to start. And you know that saying, it's the start that stops us, right? How do you start? So very simple formula, right? Five minutes a day, try to connect with up to 20 people. Let's leave it at that. Then take another five minutes to comment, just repeating your formula. And then the last five minutes, create some piece of content or share some piece of content. So there's two things you said that were really interesting. The first one is that people typically, it ha I've seen this, people comment more on the comment than the actual post. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so I mean, when, and again, this is when you comment something interesting, not just saying great post, <laughs> you're not gonna get tons of engagement on that. No. But when you add your own thoughts, your own experiences to someone else's post, add a bit of humor or maybe expand on it, you know, show something of value within a comment, then it gets its own engagement because you can like, comments and some of these comments are getting more likes than the actual posts themselves and it's a great right. way again to get your name out there and even if you're not ready to share content just starting to comment it's about finding your voice for a lot of salespeople right. out there it, it doesn't just happen you don't just log into linkedin and know what to write uh, and when it comes to creating content again that's a big step so commenting is a nice way just to start getting used to sharing your thoughts and opinions on social mm -hmm. media and I think uh, two things I've seen work. One is to take a contrarian view of the mm -hmm. comment. And the other one is to create a question within the question. So the person states something or ask a question. I said, but you really should be asking this question because this is a bit deeper question. And then people comment on that. The other thing you're implying in all this is that you're just creating top of mind. Mm -hmm. See, I like, that, I like that word better than branding between us because top of mind says, I want you to know I'm there all the time. You know, and salespeople, I think the old school sales, I'm only speaking for the old school, just, okay, that's all, Daniel. I'm only speaking for the old school people. We, we can see top of mind. We can't understand branding, but it's the same thing to, to your point. It's about being present. It's about being relevant. It's about being consistent, whether it's a brand, whether it's just being in front of them, them knowing that you're there. Mm -hmm. And social media has made it easier than it's ever been for salespeople because by sharing content and engaging, you know, you're there. It's not, you know, think pre-social media, how else would you have done that apart from a semi-regular consistent phone call and by maybe showing up mm. at the occasional event? You can now do this on a daily basis. And for me and the people I work with, that creates extremely strong relationships that can last a long time if done right. Because you're not just catching up once every three months, six months, 12 months. Oh, hi, Bob. How's everything going? How's the product? Will <laughs> buy anything else? No? Okay. Speak to you in another 12 months. Yeah. You, know, you can communicate on a regular basis. And that creates you know, really good, long-standing relationships. 
It's it's a good you're creating community and not just calling somebody because you want to sell something. Yeah. And one of the things one of the things you hit on that video and everybody hits it, but I love the way you specifically put an emphasis on it is that life and selling is about omni-channel. It's not just about one channel. It's an omni-channel. Take it away, man. Add some flavor yeah, to that. As the, the social selling guy, I get drawn into so many arguments from people saying, oh, it's cold calling versus social selling. And, you know, the reality is far from it. You don't, you don't have to choose. You don't need to choose. One of the best ways I describe it, I um, use those little finger mazes you get in like newspapers and puzzle books where it's like a square maze and you've got three or four sort of entrances in and you've got to try and find which one leads to the middle. All the others lead to dead ends. And that's <laughs> every single prospect right now, even you and I as consumers, we all sit within our own little maze and each of those doors represent the different channels one's the phone one's email one's linkedin and we each have different preferences now if someone's to try and cold call me to sell to me i tend to not answer cold calls i work for myself now i only have a mobile phone um if i get an unknown number through i'll probably leave it until they leave a voicemail and if it's relevant i'll call them back but that's not going to be the right door to reach me as an individual consumer but engage with me through social and email where i'm certainly more active you're probably going to get a reply everyone is different and as a salesperson you need to be trying as many of those different doors because some people they're not on linkedin and actually they'd right. rather you pick up the phone and call them there's no right or wrong it doesn't matter what you think or what you prefer but as a salesperson if you want to reach as many people as possible you need to be using and mastering as many of those channels as possible and sometimes and I, i'm sure you'll agree it's a combination thereof right if Absolutely. I send you an, if I if I call you first, you won't answer. But I'll send the email, and then I'm going to tell you I'm going to follow up with another phone call. Sandwich them that way, exactly. whatever it may be. What are you working on right now, Daniel? As we close this out, what are you working on right now that's got you jacked up, all fired up to take on the world, man? <laughs> tell me something, man. Tell me something, man. man. Well, uh, this is this is going to be totally exclusive because it only happened two days ago. I've just handed in the first draft of my second book. Uh, which is going to be the ultimate LinkedIn guide for salespeople. And it's got everything, the A to Z and everything LinkedIn for sales. So that's due to come out um, probably by the end of Q1 next year. Uh, and for me, it's just keeping up with all the new features on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's added a lot this year because of this year. Um, so for me, it's making sure I keep ahead of the game. I am learning new things. I am making sure I master these new things like LinkedIn Live, LinkedIn Polls, LinkedIn Stories, all these new features um, you know, they're, they're new. I need to learn them. So I'm immersing myself to make sure I remain as, as much at the top of the game as I, I can. Uh, so those are the key things for me at the moment. New book coming out and just keeping on top of the ever-evolving platform that is LinkedIn. See, but I love what you said. I, I want people to hear that. You immerse yourself in it. And you will screw things up. You yeah. will hit the rug button. The camera will go live when you don't want it to go live. The lighting won't work. The audio will shut off on you at the most unexpected time. Your dog will bark in the background when you don't want him to. <laughs> so, but congratulations on the book, man. Can, can we do this again in the first quarter of next year, then? Is that what you're telling me? I would absolutely love nothing more. <laughs> Dude, I'd love to. Uh, Daniel, tell the fans here where they can find more information about you, man. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. So if you search for Daniel Disney on LinkedIn, there are a few of us, um, but you should be able to find me in the red T-shirt. Please do follow uh, follow my profile. Again, the daily sales, follow the pages. You know, search for Daniel Disney, the daily sales. You'll find us on other social networks and on websites as well. And I just try and share as much content of value that I physically can. 
I love it, man. Uh, by the way, the daily sales, I can't emphasize enough. The daily sales, the daily sales, all that. Just just go sign up. If you want to put a smile on your face and maybe even put a smile on your customer's face, send them one of those memes and have some fun with it. Anyway, well, that's it for the Sales Influence Podcast. Leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you find me. And again, when you get a chance, check out the Sales Velocity Academy at salesvelocityacademy.com. And on that note, this is Victor Antonio with Daniel Disney, always reminding you that selling ain't hard when you know how to social sell. And you know how. Take care, people.